0: Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing recorded at our various uh, places of shelter around a very rainy New York City tonight. <laughs> uh, I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly, uh, editor of P.W. Comics World, and editor of the fanatic P.W.'s twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com comics.
1: And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com the news blog of comics culture uh, and you can find us on uh twitter at at pw comics world
2: and i'm kate fitzsimmons i'm the podcast producer and you can find us online on tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com.
0: don't forget you can subscribe and more to come on itunes and on facebook we're at facebook.com slash pw comics world
1: and also, don't forget, you can give us a rating or leave us a comment or let us know how we're doing uh, by subscribing to this podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, but let us know how we're doing. Drop us a line. We'd love to get feedback.
0: Kit us up. Why don't you? <laughs> we like to make friends. All right. This week on more to come. DC Fan Dome. I think that says it all. All right. Um, uh, bloodbath Aftermath. Uh, I think you know what we're talking about Scott Snyder's Kickstarter, animation streaming wars hit Japan, and we ponder the question: Is race? Is Asterix? Racix. All right. Okay. Uh, back to the top of the lineup. DC fanned up uh, the um, in a year of virtual fan festivals. This thing seemed to actually hit a sweet spot. I mean, I I, I gotta admit, I I didn't tune in live, but I got whatever asynchronous uh impact I could because I was fascinated in the aftermath and people seemed to have flocked to this thing yes?
1: Well 22 million people did Whoa. Mean, a story came out today that uh, you know it had something like 22 million media impressions or you know
0: I mean I'm sure yeah. they know and it was an international uh, focused event um which I think is interesting when we talk about some other issues later on in the show yeah. but it was well, a global, excuse me go on
2: well, what I was going to say is that's probably 22 million times somebody clicked on a video, which probably, if you've got someone who's a devoted DC fan, attending DC FanDome online, they probably click on about five to ten videos. So uh, well, make those numbers what you will. I know said, I did. <laughs> it, it
1: said it, it generated, the, the statistics that they, they released is that it generated 22 million views across 220 countries and territories yeah. over its... But if our own, be the in-house player live streams by comic book influencers and other content generated. So yeah, so there was, um, you know,
2: 22 uh, million clicks.
1: Yeah, 22 million views. Well, views. So, yeah. you know. um, yeah, but I mean, and listen, it was a huge, but that's, good. Yeah. that's yeah.
2: good.
0: yeah. No, it's a yeah. big yeah. global Absolutely. international yeah. embrace yeah. of DC and it's many iterations. So yeah. So I mean, it, it's very interesting as we, uh, I mean, I, I a little bit, I think we're, Maybe it's just me. We're hitting in a certain kind of virtual con fatigue. I, I know I – but maybe that's not the rest of the world. I mean, people want something.
1: Yeah, they do. And, I mean, uh, do, do, you know, Fandom really – you know, thank God Fandom really raised the bar for virtual events because, yeah. you know, we're all super sick of watching people on Zoom uh for <laughs> little screens or eight little screens or how many. I mean, it's great. You know, they had hosts come out, and the hosts were from around the world. They mm-hmm. had hosts from different – uh, countries, territories, different accents, and, um, you know, races and mm-hmm. genders. And uh, they, they filmed them or they taped them. and You could see them, as I keep saying, from the clavicles down. So that was super, super exciting to see humans, like, being, you know, introducing this in, in full screen mm-hmm. and walking around. I mean, they created a virtual yeah. environment for the thing and just really did give, um, you know, they fired You know what? It fired up your imagination. Oh, good. Well, that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. But I – yeah. I mean, just after, you know, five and a month, almost six months of watching people on Zoom screens, it, it, it raised the bar in a really good way.
0: That's excellent. That's excellent. I mean, it certainly released uh, a uh, a proliferation of fan-oriented stuff across a lot of series, properties. I mean, it really was DC Universe. I mean, you know, from the comics to the movies to everything. There's something for everybody there. Uh, I mean, I was a you know I was a trailer hog. I, I did. I want to see the trailers for all of these right. these things, and I've been a- I was able to do that. Kate, what did you think? You're the big DC fan here.
2: I am a DC fan, but now I'm going to admit something shameful. I have so much digital stuff fatigue that I was like. Uh, well, it'll still be online. I'll watch it later.
0: Whatever. Well, <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I guess you didn't read any of the press release. <laughs> yes. Yes, only 24 hours. hours, so. hours
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I
2: found that out a little too late and yeah. then I was like, and then I was still like, uh, whatever. Um, because, because I didn't know it would be, you know, better than the average virtual con. I was just, I admit to having virtual con fatigue. You know, and this is our Kate.
1: This is our Kate. <laughs> we'll, we'll go see Endgame, you know, in the theaters. and anywhere. We love you, Kate. We love you. Well,
2: yeah, but remember, I'm also the person who then will be like, hey, what do you mean no one else has heard of Legend of the Galactic Heroes? Uh, you really need absolutely. to watch this, you guys. 100%. 100%. And, and I watch like a hundred hours of it. So you know, we we, we all have our our weak spots um, and our strengths. And mine is that, like, you know, maybe maybe I'm just not a good enough comics fan. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, maybe I'm representative of your average comics fan. Uh, I don't know. In that, like, I get bored with stuff. I lose faith. Um, not, not with comics in general, not with superheroes in general, not even with Marvel and DC in general, but, um, you know, if a movie series isn't working for me, I bail. If a con sounds like it's going to be lame, eh, I got other things to do.
1: So anyway, so let's get back to fandom. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I, so I'm just going to plug my other project. I have another project where I do a a live stream. (laughs) Now We just did one about fandom, and I really did talk a lot about fandom there. So, uh, you know, to me, the most important part of it was that they really kind of, uh, you know, resurrected the ghost of Julia Schwartz, not the sexual harasser Julia <laughs> okay. Schwartz, but uh, the, the guy who invented the multiverse for comics, mm-hmm. because they had this this panel called DC Multiverse that was Walter Hameda from mm-hmm. uh, DC Films. Uh, Greg Berlanti from TV and Jim Lee. Jim Lee was like in every well, other panel.
0: They, they <laughs> he's the, the glue stage. at this point. He
1: was totally the host. They're like, we're standing on a set actually designed by Jim Lee. And it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. okay, like that's fantastic. I'm well, re- he, happy for you. He's the and, man. Um, he is the man. And, um, so in this, this multiverse panel, they, they talked about the Flash movie, which isn't coming to 2022 and still mm-hmm. stars Ezra Miller, which, You know, who's, who's comes a little problematic there, but, um,
0: meh, uh, meh,
1: but, but, um, that, that they came out and just said, you know, what they did with the crisis crossover is what they're doing with the entire DC media universe. Mm. It's all different multiverses, like Mm. one story can be in one universe and one can be in another one. Mm. And, you know, and, but maybe there's kind of a core. Story that's sort of like the Justice League movie kind of stuff with like Wonder Woman and Aquaman and right. You know, the, so the what, the words
0: whatever. And whatever you I mean, they're, they're going to tell whatever stories they want to tell. I think that get it. Yeah, that that's yeah. fine. Um, I mean, look. I, I mean, the, I find the superhero world so clogged that their explanations of the superhero world i I find completely self defeating. Uh, yeah,
2: I, I have to say, like, if you're not really going to have continuity, just say you aren't really going to have a continuity, and don't come up with some like incredibly exhausting explanation that makes no sense about how.
0: Wait, hold hold on. Yeah, that's the way you I don't
2: feel. believe
1: you guys. Okay, hey, wait a minute. You're a DC fan, and you don't believe in the multiverse.
0: <laughs>
2: well, what I'm I... saying is, is, I I I do, but I don't feel like they're actually putting any effort into actually like. Doing that, I think they're just sort of throwing the world multi- word multiverse out there and waving their hands around. And
0: um, I think, I think they've not, been oh, – sorry. Go ahead, Kate. Sorry.
2: Yeah. I mean it's fine. It's fine. It's just that the movies are not long enough to go into like – long discourses on the multiverse and to have a million different crossovers that you actually know are actually crossovers so who cares like just well
1: supposedly the flash movie is going to be all about multiple it's going to be based on flashpoint and it's going to have all these multiverses in it and they even showed on the screen like earth 19 is this one and earth 94 is that one and you know like they did in crisis the crisis story where Thing, you know, because I guess where they, which I didn't see, so that's not uh, me. Yeah, but Crisis <laughs> is
2: actually good, and Flashpoint is really bad. I'm going to be a, a, a DC dork right now. Flashpoint's a really bad story. Why? Why would you make your Flash movie Flashpoint?
0: Because but, uh, they're so. They think that they have to rationalize how the universe works to everybody. I, I don't understand nobody why cares. <laughs> nobody cares. It never makes any sense anyway. It's just another excuse for them to rewrite everything. I, I mean, just tell your good movies. stories, and you know, and say, "Well, this is in yeah. another Earth, or whatever they, whatever right. reference." If anybody they asks, is. it's another
2: universe. You don't have to make a whole movie. Yeah,
0: I just think it's it's boring. Now, I, I, once again, now I don't have a uh, problem with them making another movie no. about people leaping, I guess, across the various multiverses. I don't care. It's fine as long as it's a good movie. It's not going to be a movie because they they explain uh, whatever it is they think they're explaining. Yeah, I mean, it,
2: it worked with a television series because they put in the time and effort to make it work, and they had that time and effort because they're television series. I'm just not really sure how it's going to work or if it's worth the bother in a movie verse. But well,
1: whatever. Well, hey, listen, you know we'll my other out. Zoom cast. Everybody on it was couldn't you know pee in their pants with excitement over it. So you guys are real <laughs> killjoys. Okay, that's all. Oh. I mean, so.
0: Well, those I'm surprised Kate feels this way. I mean, I'm not your superhero, you know, person. I mean, I'm curious, not devoted. Uh, I, I
2: I am a superhero person, and I just think it's one of those things that if you're gonna do it right, what gives it strength, what makes it work, is that all these different universes you're combining have been around for a while. You come to know and care about them, and you want to know what'll happen if these different characters or versions of themselves meet. But if all you've seen of each universe is one two-hour movie, and then there's a two-hour movie where they all meet, Ed, I don't know.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, what else would go? Let's let what,
1: what what else? Let, 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 well, I mean, other- Fandom. Look, Fandom was a huge success for Warner Media. It was such a success. Everybody was taking uh, you know victory lap all week about yeah. it. Uh, you know, Jason Kalar, who's the head of Warner Media, the CEO. Uh, said he was giddy in a tweet and was retweeting Gail Simone. So, you know, mm. they're trying to embrace the comics. But, you know, as we recall, uh, we have long memories that go back two weeks, two whole weeks. <laughs> uh, so we recall that just two weeks ago, like six to eight hundred people were laid off across the uh, yeah. media, including pretty much everybody at the DC Universe streaming world. And, uh, you know, we don't know the exact numbers yeah. at DC Entertainment itself, but, uh, the editor in chief hey. and the, hey. uh, you know, the guy who kind of ran, you know, the, the operations manager and the but, of, Before uh, we,
0: before we jump into the the bloody aftermath, I, I do want to mention one thing, Milestone Media. I mean, they're bringing it back. I mean, just in terms of the fandom aspect.
1: Yeah. Oh, right. 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 The
0: fandom aspect. Um, but I do want to talk about that. Um yeah. the fandom aspect, uh, Milestone Media, they're bringing Milestone Media back for the, what is it, the third or the fourth time, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the Milestone Media was brought back again a couple of years ago and we never saw any of it, uh, that yeah. I recall. Am well, I this wrong? This is
1: the same comeback. Right, is they it? They announced it two years ago and this is that. This is, is, is that it, comeback. okay, I was
0: wondering, cause I haven't seen, I haven't seen any of the names. We, I, look, we've seen The most important names, obviously. I think Dennis Cowan and obviously Uh, Reginald Hudlin. But we haven't seen some of the names of the working artists that were working on specific series. Like Kyle Baker was working on some stuff, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. We, I didn't see any of their names. I'm just curious, what is that? was that work ever started? Is it all new? Yes, they announced it at the panel. Okay, all right. I wasn't at the panel, the and I didn't, didn't see read? a lot of information okay. about it.
1: Hold on. Didn't anybody read the beat? I mean, my people covered every presentation. Right. We well, have
0: did a great well, job. I, I, a missed, Come on. I missed the milestone meeting because I agree with you because I was looking at the beat, but I somehow missed that. All right, well, bye. there's
1: a big article, but the big reveal was in the Washington Post where they announced, yes, so, okay. So in the Washington Post, it was revealed that they will uh, – This they have been working on it because, you know, Kyle Baker is not that fast. So um, I, I don't know. Maybe he is. So I, I take that back, Kyle. Sorry.
0: Um, but anyway,
1: the graphic novel written by Reginald Hudlin. Uh With art by Kyle Baker's coming, this is all launching in February for Black oh, okay. History Month. I mean, of course, but uh you know, right, Go great. with what, right, go with what. Go. Works. And then we're gonna have a regular ongoing series. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, this is London what I was looking for. for okay, you know what? Shock. As yeah. it's gonna yeah. be a all right. shock My novel. Bad. Well, I'm telling you what it is, so yeah, our I agree. listeners can know. Oh. Um,
2: so, dear you know, listeners, we must take a small break. My cat has found the squeaky mouse. Oh no! Thank you, listeners. This is the problem with us recording at home.
1: All right. Well, we now we'll return
2: co- to our regular scheduled programming.
1: So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, they, so there's going to be a static shock.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh ongoing yep. series
1: that's being be released yeah. digitally at first. They didn't yep. announce mm-hmm. a print version. Uh they're gonna re release all the milestone stuff. Great uh, in oh, digital, this- which is never it's not it's never been in digital. It has been reprinted. So uh yes digital. many times. So yeah. they're gonna do it in digital for the first time. And uh they might possibly be working on a static shock movie, movie which to right. me is like a, uh uh you know uh, yeah that would be great no i greener. mean i heard Total about no that greener.
0: absolutely all right now this is this yeah. is good no this is exactly what i'm looking for i'm sorry folks i was on vacation and i did miss this but um my colleagues brought me up to speed
1: yeah well calvin wow. has been on vacation so he's actually breaking his vacation to be on the podcast so you know what <laughs> thank you calvin. yes, yes. Well, just- oh very <laughs> important uh, there also is going to be an Icon and Rocket comic series, uh, uh written by Hudlin with art by Dennis mm-hmm. Cowan. So, you know. Very interesting. Yes, yes, well, look, so, This and is
0: exciting. And that's why I brought it up because Milestone is exciting.
1: Well, there, listen, there was a, the complaints about, you know, I mean, we can kind of hold in the bloodbath talk, because uh, there the biggest complaint about fandom was that the comics were, you know, I mean, Jim Lee was all over it, but there was, mm-hmm. and there was a milestone panel. There was also a Sandman pile where a uh, mm-hmm. p- panel where well, obviously they talked with Neil Gaiman and about some of the ongoing kind of Sandman-y titles. Uh, but, you know, there wasn't a huge, huge, huge comics presence. And um, mm-hmm. so uh, now there will be, okay, so Kate, just so you know, on mm-hmm. September 12th, Saturday, September twelfth, there will be Fandom Part Two. Yes, that's we, we need to panels, mention that for and, sure. And mm-hmm. they are only going to be available for twenty four hours, so you might want to set aside a little time. I think she just, just threw yes. down.
0: I think she just threw down the challenge. <laughs> Put it on your calendar. Mm-hmm. But
1: and, and you listen, in Kate's defense, like you know what. Uh, like, I'm sure a lot of casual fans didn't realize that this was like, you know, exclusive. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, I knew it was 24 and, hours. And,
1: and I know, but I'm also saying, I'm sure Kate's not the only one. And you know what? That's how you really make, if you want to make something special, yeah. make it no. exclusive. Make yeah. it hard to get. And you know what? That's why I'm saying Fandom was, I, I, you know, I'm a little sad because, I, I mean, I didn't get to watch everything either, but. You know what? They did a really smart job. And that the trades today are, or yesterday, full of stories. You know, like I said, uh, victory lap from all the Warner Media people about how did we do fandom? And, um, you know, they, they, they set a new, they set a new standard.
2: Yeah. Uh, And, you know, quite frankly, I think I'm not the only one who found out afterwards that the videos would not be available. After a certain time, and that it would be you know so widely well reviewed, I think that's another reason that they put off fandom part two for so long because they that will give word of mouth time to get around for people to go, "Oh, hey, this is awesome. I better get in on the second part of this
0: yeah, great yeah so just
2: what
1: what did you guys think of the Batman trailer
0: well. I mean, I'm not crazy about Patterson as Batman. I'm just being honest I'm not that crazy about it so well i i well i'm I'm trying to you know I'm trying not to be a re- reactive
2: yeah, yeah, internet I'm not sold yet uh, I'm not fan sold
0: troll yet. uh uh I'm a little worried about it I'm a little worried about um the Batman uni as some kind of like rhinestone superhero i I just think sometimes I'm worried about the suits getting so elaborate uh that to me. It just seems lame, but, um, I you know, we'll see.
2: Yeah, um, my take on it is, quite <laughs> frankly, while some trailers make me go, yes, a la the Wonder Woman trailer, a lot of movies that I really like, I don't feel anything when I see the trailer for it, right? So I'm not making any judgments based on the trailer. It didn't, like, super excite me, but, you know, like, that doesn't mean the movie won't be good. I don't know. Well, well say. same here, and and
0: and, and I, I will say this. I um, um, oh, there was something that I did want to say that that I did like. Oh, I like Jeffrey Wright. I'm curious. I really like the idea of Jeffrey Wright. Oh yeah, he's great. Uh, he's great. Being in the movie, uh, switching up uh, Commissioner Gordon a little bit. Um, I won't say I'm not curious. I'm just I I was. And the trailer looked fine, but. um well, I'm, let me
1: t- let me. Tell you know you what I'm really excited, excited about, that-
0: about Batman is John Ridley writing Batman. That's what I'm. Yes, excited that's. About. Well, that yes.
1: was actually that was the other announcement, Calvin. That's what, what was I'm that announcement? About. What was that announcement?
0: <coughs> well, about? I did that Nick Darrington and and John Ridley are doing a new Batman, and Batman will be, um, a you know person of color. I guess he, I think he's going to be what the what's the guy that runs the business side? Lucius Fox. Yes, yeah, the Fox. Yeah, one of the yeah his son or something like that. So. Uh Now, that's not the – because at first I thought it was going to be – what's the, the the new character they introduced, Signal, um, as a Batman sidekick? But this is not Duke. Signal.
2: I thought it might be Duke, but it wasn't Duke.
0: Yeah. that Duke is so Signal, ma- too,
2: right?
1: So many false flags. So yes, it's Red true. Herring.
0: But – uh, I'm a big fan of John Ridley and his comics. If you, if you haven't read The American Way, you should go back and find it. It's a great series of graphic novels.
1: Absolutely, Dead especially he wrote. for these times. I mean, John Ridley, the award-winning, uh, the award-winning black screenwriter, he, 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 yes. uh, Academy Award-winning yes. screenwriter. Yes, 12 and, Years a um, Slave. Yes. Yeah, American Way, very, very, very it's much terrific, um, something about a black that we should
0: – In the a black superhero in the Kennedy era.
1: Yeah, very, very um, much something that speaks to so uh, the current I, moment. Uh, so. that
0: I thought was really exciting, and I like Nick art. King's art. I let, uh, for me, I remember him from uh, the most recent Doom Patrol. Um, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, he's great. He's great. Uh,
0: but he's really great, great facile style, really good. I think he'll be great. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I have my little favorites, Yes. This-
1: so. All right, so um, but yeah, just so just to round this off though, uh right after we uh last our last episode was recorded, um, you know, was the week of the bloodbath. I mean, we talked about that. Right? Yeah, bloodbath. A lot of people say this distasteful. There was a lot of layoffs at DC. Yeah, but like, uh, t- but yeah. Jim Lee came to the mm-hmm. Hollywood Reporter and did an interview. Very, 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 very rare uh for anyone from Warner Media to yeah. go out and um, you know, especially DC. I think it's the first interview he's done. In, like, a long time, yeah.
0: like, I'll a year, just, quite a It's a while. measure, I think, of the respect of, that, uh, um, he has, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yes. And yes. Jim Lee has, as he should have. Yeah, I think, but you know. I
1: mean... Yeah, uh, but I mean, it was um, you know pretty blunt. I'll read one of the questions and one of the answers. The question is: Is DC still publishing comics?
0: <laughs> I mean, you need to ask. You're asking that. that question. You're like, you have to wonder yeah, where the he, he's going. Yeah, but he says
1: absolutely, 100. percent It's still the cornerstone of everything that we do. So you know, <laughs> uh, he kind of he kind of calmed the thing. Let's, well, yeah, I thought, let's hope know, so. It's interesting, like a lot of the things that we talked about last time, like Marie Javens and Michelle Wells kind of splitting the pub. You know, they don't have the title of publisher, but they're kind of running editorial co running it right now. Um the other thing that he said that I thought was interesting yeah. that um was that um uh blah 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 blah. I'm just looking uh you know he defended the move away from diamond. It said that the three jokers yeah. has sold three hundred thousand copies, which I confirmed is actually correct. Yeah. Uh with what kind of sources I had. And, um, says
0: so that they're doing great. They're, that, yes. you know, that they step right in just a, a couple of glitches and, um, UC, yeah. uh, UCS and Luna are doing the job.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, um, but one thing that, uh, Barry, he did talk about is digital. And we've talked yes. about here ever since all these changes started happening, I mean, DC, that there was going to be more of a, um, a, uh, emphasis on digital comics as i mentioned before milestone mm-hmm. the static is uh, they're being released digitally sure. first they mm-hmm. did not mention print editions of these comics okay very significant mm-hmm. um and uh that okay one thing that even though dc universe the standalone dc streaming uh service is being it folded into hbo max as we all foresaw yeah. happening uh, he said all the backlist content, something like twenty to 25,000 different titles, the way Connect with Fans 27, there's always going to be need for this. So we're excited to transform it. We'll have more news on what that will look like. It's definitely not going yeah. away. Yeah. So
2: basically yeah. they're doing finally, finally what I have wanted ever since Marvel set up their own um, sort of digital comics backlist library that you can just sort of Netflix – uh, they are setting that up and they are not tethering it to their streaming service, which actually, as someone who really just wants the digital comics, I'm really psyched about it, because as long as it was tethered to the streaming service, the comics would always take a back seat. But if they're their own service, then maybe, maybe they'll get the attention they deserve.
0: Well, I should also, I, if I may say, I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned digital, and, and they, they, he was very clear on how important digital is. But he also discussed that how digital and print would be paired. And I think the, the combination of Javins and Wells is a very important in how they see this, um, the changes that, in my view, are going on here. Because it's very much about digital and about the book uh, trade and the book format. Now I know this is my one note you know take on pretty much everything, but uh the book trade is part of what they're talking about, pairing it together also as far as its relationship to print i mean I in an interview he did talk about windowing, which I think is an interesting mm-hmm. word to yeah. use it's very often used in digital publishing to mean how you navigate between print releases and digital releases um because there still is this sort of I don't know what the anxiety on the print side and on the physical side that digital is going to steal customers or, or erode. So I do think that the Lee was using it more in terms of strategically how you do it, that you can use – release things in digital, find out what sells well, and then release it in print. He talked quite a bit in that interview about uh, repackaging things and how the most popular yes. stuff would go into print. So I, I, I mean – I, what I saw in that interview from him was in, was interesting. I think he said all of the things that he was supposed to say. Uh, he was very confident. He's clearly the entire voice of DC these days, but he really did lay out. And, and I also think it's important that even though they lost a layer of highly paid and long-term executives, that we both talked about how there is a whole line of, uh, you know, worker drone editors, uh, who are still there. Uh, who make sure the books get out, and I think maybe looked upon as the next editorial direction for the company. So anyway, that, that, that's just my take on it, that I think they have an interesting look. Comics are not dead at DC yet. And I also quickly point to Rob Salkowitz's take, which I thought was quite good. Yes, yes, he, yes, he had ICB a great take too. as well. So just that, that now, now shut up. No,
2: what's there <laughs> to shut up about? Uh, um, no. I- I think it's it's great that um, it does seem like there's actually a vision about where they're going with comics, that this is not just sort of random cost-cutting chicken with the head cut off. So, you know, um, best of luck to DC Comics, and I hope that they make – Financially responsible decisions that end up in wonderful comics for us all.
1: Yeah, I mean uh the the, the other rumor. I mean, this was you know we he covered all the doomsday scenarios yes. in his interview. Yes, he you did. know, he, they asked yeah. them all the basis like, does AT and T want to publish comics, and you know, are you going to go reprint? You know, all this stuff. The one thing he did not address and was not asked. Was what is happening to black label? Now, I think as we mentioned last time, that the fact that editors Mark Doyle and Andy Corey were laid off, uh, who, uh, spearheaded black label Mm. imprint or, you know, line or, you know, label on the black label label, uh, was not a good sign. Um, you know, you might say, and then I've been hearing from my sources that they will go ahead with all the projects that were in the pipeline, which is quite a few. Like, Black Label had a lot of stuff in the pipeline. But uh, perhaps the people inside Warner Media, uh, you know, Pam Lefford Dome, are not fans of Black Label, and that its future is a little bit in doubt right now. And now, so the fact that, that Jim Lee was touting that Three Jokers, which is a Black Label title, had sold 300,000 copies... I don't think that was a accident, you know. I mean, I think these books have been making a lot of money. They've actually been huge successes for DC, just as the kids and YA line has been. And, you know, why they would want to shut it down when it's creating great IP for your multiverse. Hello, IP for your multiverse. I don't get it.
0: And that was Jim Lee's point as well. He kept pointing that. I think one of the things also we should take away from that interview is Lee articulated, uh, a, and look, there are a lot of doomsday scenarios about DC Comics going into uh, under ATT. I mean, you, you name it. You know, they yeah. were going to. You know, they were going to shut everything down and have Marvel print the books. I mean, you name it. People have been putting this stuff out there of what might happen. Jim Lee articulated uh, a, a reasoning about comics in these mega companies that comics publishers talk about, but they generally don't really believe. And that is that comics are so cheap as R and D. Even though, uh, Rob's, Rob's take is that comics are a high cost, low return business that, that they are worried about. But even he believes at the end of the day, you produce valuable content that they, that's much more valuable than whatever you put into this overpriced, you know, part of the business, supposedly. And he articulated that they're cheap development. They keep the brands alive that are already out there making money. Um, Uh, they make them alive and you have to update the mythology every, 10 15 years, we as we all know,
1: so I think, yeah. I think, you know, I mean, I've asked a lot of people, uh, who are inside the, the fandom, um, you know, what about this and that, you know, like these rumors, and you know, when what about ATT? And their answer is always they don't care, and I believe that, you know, I mean, AT, and I know I talk about this every week, but ATT, HBO Max. Still not available on Roku. It was a disaster. It's a disaster. You know, and, and they just—they're—they're caught—they're—they—they are not experts at content. That's been proven. So you know, the fact that Jason Kilar or Killer—I don't know how you say his name—was out there <laughs> promoting. I mean, all of Warner Media came behind Fandom to promote the DC Comics brand. Okay, and it was a huge success and got huge engagement. And I mean, that's a good thing. And, you know, there's – nobody seems to know what the heck's going on there. But I would not be too surprised if down the road uh, that, you know, Jim Lee went in and made a, a plea that they need IP. You know, if you're going to keep doing all this uh, multiverse stuff, if you're going to keep doing all these shows – you need to have, you know, let sure. there be cheap RP, IP, cheap R&D, cheap IP. Let the comics, let the comics <coughs> live. Let Black Label live.
0: I think Black Label is not going to go anywhere. I could be wrong. I think at the end of the day, it has the potential for global sales, which is what they want. I think it has potential in digital as well. I just I, I just don't see it. And I think that they have a really great opportunity to rev, to continue and extend uh, the, 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 the brand's the various series brands with what they're doing, because what are they doing in black label? Generally speaking, they're doing out of continuity stories by all kinds of really fabulous artists that can create some kind of new classic. So, yeah. or so. well, I know.
1: mean, it's, it's very clear to us. Well, uh, you know, speaking of IP, um, there was some other, you know, so much is happening. A lot is, just,
0: just you know, <laughs> we are on,
1: we are so beyond Thunderdome and all this stuff. Right. Uh, it's the summer of the domes. Like, WWE has their Thunderdome, DC FanDome. We are entering the dome. Uh, anyway, a bunch of uh, kick- Kickstarters were announced. So Scott Snyder announced that he was going to do a Kickstarter. He's also launching his own imprint at Image Comics uh, called Best Jacket Press, which is based on the names of his sons. Busy man. Um, and so he started with a uh, a series... Uh, with his artist Tony Daniel, who uh, he did Batman with, so popular team. It was a book called Nocturnal. Although I understand they just changed the name to Nocturna. Anyway, they launched a Kickstarter. Uh, let's see how much the Kickstarter. It was funded within like you know eight hours. It's and like it is
0: 100.
1: up to. now with 21 days to go. So, uh, (laughs) they made their money. Yeah, they made their money. Now, Snyder (laughs) announced that he would not be taking any, uh, profit from this Kickstarter, but would actually be sinking it into, um, you know, best jacket and paying his artists for the next few, um, the next few, uh, projects that he's launching. So, um, and of interest, uh, so Jeff Lemire is also announced a Kickstarter. Like, everybody's going to Kickstarter oh, right now. That wow. I, that I was talking with an industry pal the other day, and, um, you know, I mean, like Image Comics obviously had a hard time during the great shutdown because they were exclusive with Diamond for their books and everything and had to stop paying some royalties and stuff, but, uh, you know, it's like, um some of the biggest image creators like Snyder and Lemire, Lemire are going to Kickstarter and crowdfunding and making good money doing it. Yep. And so, yep. Yep. yeah.
0: It's amazing what Kickstarter, I mean, I mean, look, obviously, you, you, you can't just jump on Kickstarter and raise $138,000. Scott Snyder has a, a, a different kind of impact, but it's just amazing what Kickstarter has done in terms of uh, providing access to people. It right. It just, just right. really has. I mean, you know, if you put in the work, it's a pretty amazing.
1: And you, you, know, we didn't have this on our story list, but, um, there was other big news at Image this week.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. That's
1: that Dirk, Dirk yes. Wood and Alex Cox, who were kind of this little uh, sleeper cell at IDW, <laughs> which we've been talking about IDW. <laughs> Quite a bit.
0: Dirk, Wood, um, nicest guy ever yes. at IDW? But go on. <laughs> well, everybody
1: loves. He's the most beloved man among retailers. So anyway, they jumped ship to Image. Yes, at, uh, this is Alex big Sucks. news,
0: uh, considering what AD, IDW has been the last you know year two yeah. years.
1: Yeah. So uh, more people leaving there, but you know, great for Image. Two great yes. hires. Like uh, Wood will be working on international sales. Cox is mm-hmm. going to be dealing with retailers. Uh, you know, Super experienced indie comics
0: yeah. guys, art comics, uh, genre comics—you name it. Um, uh, Dirk was doing full bleed that that kind of imaginative anthology print comics thing that IDW was doing. It was sort of a special thing that they were offering through Crowd crowdfunding yeah you yeah know?
1: that well, he he did announce uh, i don't know he did a, a friend's live a friend's post on facebook but he announced that the final issue would be coming mm-hmm. out yeah and um, well you know, those books are great
0: i mean they are they're very, beautiful yeah. yeah
1: um but yeah, yeah. anyway so yeah so, we didn't have yeah, it on the big, list
0: but big news yeah yeah okay
1: yeah. so anyway yeah a lot more happening uh so kate tell us what's happening in the world of anime
2: so so much like normally when i scan the lists of news stories across the world for our you know bi-weekly news podcast usually maybe one or two things pop up in anime if i'm very lucky but this has been a busy 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 week and um you know whether they egged each other on whether it had something to do with financial quarters, and then planning after getting the numbers in. I don't know, but a lot of stuff happened. So, first off, um, there has been an announcement that there is going to be sort of a joint anime platform on YouTube. Um, It's not happening yet, but um, some of the biggest names in uh anime, not all the biggest names, but some of the biggest names, um, including Katakawa and Toei Animation, are going to have their own little like mini platform on YouTube streaming oh. free anime. Mm-hmm. Wow. A lot of free anime. Um and it's also going to be doing this simultaneously on Billy Billy which is YouTube's Chinese rival, um, so it's it's like Ooh. setting up a streaming service <laughs> simultaneously um, on Amazon and Netflix. Um, so yeah, that's that shows real devotion. Meanwhile, um, Sony has made some announcements about their anime division. Um, basically, they haven't quite said the words vertical monopoly, but they're basically saying that they're planning a vertical monopoly. <laughs> so so Sony is a giant corporation and owns not only movie studios but also an anime division, and also, uh, well, I mean, Sony, they own PlayStation, so they have their own gaming <coughs> division.
1: Cal- Calvin, yes. you're very loud. You're doing all sorts of things.
0: Okay, just what did it. I do? Okay.
1: Well, just stop.
0: I, I just swipe my phone. Is it dead, making yeah, just that sit much in the hose? No, just no, no it's your chair. It's
1: yeah, your chair. chair. My, old my yeah, chair. chair. Okay. okay. Yeah, just right. sit Sorry. still. All right. Sorry, Kate. Did you? Okay. Sorry, Kate. So,
2: I'll rewind. So, Sony is a giant corporation, as we all know. That in actually, Japan, in
1: Japan, based in Japan.
2: Yes, they are a giant Japanese corporation that, of course, now impacts our lives over here, um, that not only owns Sony PlayStation, the video company game company, it also owns Sony Pictures. It also owns the Aniplex anime studio. And so um, Sony has announced at a strategy uh, conference that they are going to um, concentrate on anime in their quote-unquote one Sony concept. So basically, vertical integration. Um, Sony's uh, Aniplex has actually, they've announced, over the last three years, made them 1.18 million... billion dollars in profits, which is actually not that much less than the amount that their movie studio made them in that same time. Wow. 1.18 billion dollars or 124.8 billion yen. And in that same time, um, the movie business for them made 163 billion yen. So, It's not that much of a difference given how much weight they put behind their movies compared to their anime. So they really really decide they're going to focus more on their anime and that they are not – they're signaling that they are not going to be sharing their properties outside of the Sony Megaplex. So if there's a Sony anime, then it's going to be made into a Sony video game and maybe Sony Movies, and they're not, probably not going to be licensing it out anymore. So, that's very interesting.
1: Mm, indeed, mm.
2: wow. Yeah. Um, so, they're going to be concentrating on what they call the four O's, on-air, on-demand, on-ground, and original production. Mm. Um, so, we'll see where that leads. They said that they want to follow Walt Disney's business scale, I a mean, business model. So, I mean, I think they took one look at Disney Marvel and said, we can be Japanese Disney Marvel.
1: Hmm. I think cool that's the plan. Hmm.
2: So, um, more to come on that. So, interestingly, um, they own Funimation in the United States, so... It is – you do wonder what this, like, vertical integration thing is going to mean for them sharing out Funimation properties with other streaming services. We'll see. Mm. Uh, and then also, meanwhile, Crunchyroll has uh, – which is incidentally also owned by Warner Media, which <laughs> owns HBO and DC. Crunchyroll has announced they're going to add two higher levels of subscriptions – where um yes, yes, you can continue to have normal crunchy roll or for extra money you'll be able to do, uh download episodes for offline watching, which incidentally you can do if you get verve uh for a lot cheaper. <laughs> but anyway. Time. Calvin. Yes. If you're gonna fiddle with your thing,
1: you gotta go on mute because every time you fidget, you hear it. Okay? Sorry. You just yeah, okay.
2: Okay, I'm gonna rewind. So Crunchyroll uh, currently does not allow downloading to go. Although, to be frank, um, Crunchyroll is behind the bundled service <laughs> Verve, um, where you can download. But maybe they'll be discontinuing Verve. I don't know. Anyway, so they are announcing two additional st- t- tiers. Uh, instead of $8 a month, um, where you can't download, they're going to have... A $10 a month one and a. I'm sorry, my data just went whoop.
1: I need to get that. yeah, well, uh, so so Kate, though, uh, I mean, I think last time we were talking, I mean, in the restructuring at Warner Media, I mean, there was a huge, you know, it wasn't just DC Entertainment; the whole Warner Media was restructured. There's a new content head. On Sarnoff has new duties, uh, but I mean, there was a lot of talk that they were actually trying to unload Crunchyroll, and there was some talk that maybe Sony was even going to buy it. I mean, ha- has there been any talk, further talk of that?
2: Well, not new talk; just the same talk. Right. Um so okay.
0: but the thing is
2: that Crunchyroll has just hit 3 million subscribers. And also like I said, um they are adding these two extra tiers. So it kind of suggests that they're trying to buff it up. Now whether they're trying to buff it up to get their own executives to keep it Or they're trying to buff it up to make it more attractive to potential buyers? Anyone's guess. But, Uh. like, they're clearly trying to monetize it more heavily by adding these extra tiers. Um,
1: Right.
2: And so whether that's, you know, to try to stave off an acquisition or to try to encourage an acquisition, I don't know. But it's all going to be a, a very interesting time for anime streaming. Um, and I don't think it's going to look the same next year. I don't. I think we're going to be looking at a totally different anime streaming landscape.
1: Next yeah, year. well, but I, I think the reason for that is that it's, as you mentioned, it's very successful. It's very popular. I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, I mean, obviously, and we're in these streaming wars right now, and I think a lot of people uh kind of have slept on anime. And, you know, don't take it seriously. But guess what? There's a huge audience for it. And uh the more anime streams, the more manga is sold. I mean, we've, we've written about sure. that many yeah. times, that there is an absolute correlation. So all of this is uh, great. Good news. Really. Yeah, it
2: is. It is good news. Um, Frankly, it makes you want to smack Netflix upside the head <laughs> for not having a – like, literally, when I look up um anime, news on google just you know to see what's come up in the last two weeks every single damn time there's some article about how do i find all the anime on netflix they don't make it easy to find all the anime on netflix
1: wow and yeah, it is, you
2: can't just type in anime and see all of it.
1: Right, they should have well, a portal. They need a portal. They don't
2: have a portal. They don't even have a page. They don't have a subpage. It's just what they their algorithm decides to recommend you or unless you know the cheat codes. Yes, literally there's a cheat code. Ooh. So, <laughs> you know, it, and and meanwhile, I think they could get more streams from anime fans if they just let people find all the damn anime.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: And so so Crunchyroll is stealing their lunch. Crunchyroll is stealing their lunch. Um, Yeah. Because all these people who already have Netflix subscriptions are getting Crunchyroll subscriptions because that's where they know how to find the anime. Um, And the same thing with with Amazon. Amazon theoretically has anime on Amazon Prime, but it's not very well – Highlighted or set aside to make it easier for people to find. So, again, Crunchyroll is eating their lunch. Uh. So, I think that Sony is currently at a decision point where they are trying to decide whether they want to eat Crunchyroll or be Crunchyroll. And so, I think if they can't buy it, they're going to try to buff up Funimation and make it better. Um, They clearly realize that Funimation is not living up to its potential now, and they want it to. Because if they are already making $1.26 in the last three years on their anime division, and Funimation is as, I'm sorry, generally crap as it is at streaming, um, imagine how much more money they'd make if they had something on the level of Crunchyroll. And I'm sure... Thinking those thoughts themselves.
1: Yes, yeah. So yeah, this is this is definitely, you know, I mean, this is a global business and anime is global and we're gonna see more of it, no question about it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And,
2: And it's it's excellent because anime for all that when I was a kid and Calvin and Heidi, you'll remember this in the '90s. There was definitely a long era where a lot of old school comic book people were very hostile to manga and anime.
1: Yeah, uh, well, there's still people who are hostile yeah. to manga and anime. But yeah, but it was too.
0: <laughs> but that's hostile. a lost yeah. cause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you
1: were totally yeah. If you were into manga and anime, you were totally a freakazoid yeah. among the freaks. You were a freak to the freaks. Right. In the and it
2: was the things that they looked down on the kids and teenagers for being into thinking they'd never like quote unquote real comics yes. but in, in fact I mean this is only anecdotal but I think it's an anecdote everybody knows I think we all know a lot of people who got into comics by watching anime reading manga and then also reading American comics after a while Yep. I mean uh, a rising tide lifts all boats in this case and so you know if the media corporations are starting to notice that hey people like cartoons um, that really only bodes well for all of us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, a- anime just seems to be growing constantly. I mean, its popularity is, is global. I mean, you and 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 we've seen the market for it kind of change and morph over the years. Uh, Heidi noted its relationship to selling manga, which is huge. Um, huge. So yeah, <clears throat> and now it seems to become this like you know uh, global media. Platform war about who's going to control it. So, uh, yeah, it just means more access, of course. Yeah, yeah, more access for fans,
2: and it also there's been a lot of churn, right? Like Crunchyroll has stayed strong, but other anime streaming options have sort of risen and fallen. So it'll be interesting if. It'll be interesting if there's, you know, any rivals coming up to it or if it sort of is folded under the Sony umbrella. And if it is folded under the Sony umbrella, at what point does it become an antitrust thing? Um, Mm. I mean, if you're Sony and you buy Crunchyroll, I almost wonder if that's legal. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, Uh, we shall see.
2: All right, well, an excellent
1: report from Yes, the
0: absolutely. Forefront. Anime Begun in these, the news. <laughs> Begun these
1: anime wars have. Yeah. Yes,
0: that's right. There you uh. go. <laughs> so,
1: just uh we have one more topic on our list here. Uh Calvin, uh <clears throat> our yeah. friend of the podcast, Bridget Alverson wrote an amazing article for She you, did. Uh, yeah, about, we teamed
0: up uh, on this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you guys teamed up about
0: um well this is about Asterix look um uh, if you don't know what Asterix is uh then you must be from another planet <clears throat> It's one of the most popular comic strips in the world Uh you know maybe you guys can help me with the pronunciation You know what I have you know I've only read the names of the creators of Asterix I've never actually said them
1: Well it's Durzo and Goscinny <laughs> Dur- yeah, it? Gusta- yeah
0: that's what I was Goscinny yeah um
1: uh, uh Goscinny yeah that's probably murdering it probably. Yeah Albert Durzo Durzo
0: is, and He's yeah.
1: actually a t- Italian isn't he I believe
0: Uh Yes, uh, well, you know what, I'm not gonna get there.
2: I'm not gonna get on there,
0: uh, it was originally, yeah. but, there, the It's a asterisk,
2: Franco-Belgian comic.
0: Yeah. It is a Franco, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, it, it was, uh, created in 1959, uh, for the children's magazine Pilot. Um, it has gone on to become a classic of French cartooning. Uh, it, uh, originally aimed at kids, but it has always had an undercurrent of, of, uh, of political satire and sly humor, you know, it's the story of two, uh, two feisty Gauls in like 50 BC outsmarting, outsmarting the, the, you know, the, the dumb Ru- Roman soldiers and of course the, uh, the sclerotic, uh, the sclerotic Roman bureaucracy. And <laughs> uh, it is um. enormously popular around the world, but not necessarily so much in the U.S. Uh, Yes. So
2: so Asterix and Obelix,
0: um,
2: you know, bop around Roman era Europe having wacky adventures with a wide array of sort of ancient eyes, uh, ethnic stereotypes. But the ethnic stereotypes of Europe that they use are, are kind of the same kind of affectionate like stereotypes people use for themselves in the same way that the ones they have about Gauls are. So, you know, the the fake Germans and the fake Brits are all, you know, wacky ethnic stereotypes, but of the kind that you wouldn't actually be offended by.
0: They're quite charming.
2: They're charming stereotypes of the kind people are cool with. But not all their stereotypes quite fall under that.
0: They're not all terribly. They're not all charming. But really, there's only one of of the stereotypes that are not charming. Yeah, everything's
2: charming except for what they think about black people.
0: Yeah, well, in in particular, African African characters, uh, as they tend to be in this uh, time period, uh, they're extremely exaggerated. The most uh, – uh, and look, uh, I'm not the only uh, – Bridget and I aren't the first ones to write about this new – and I, I should say l- – let, let's it's back up for a second. Obvious. Let's back up for a second. The reason why we're talking about this is that PaperCuts, Cuts, uh, a children's graphic novel publisher here in New York City, uh, who, who has which has published a lot of really great work. Um, it's run by Terry Nantier, the publisher, who is a groundbreaking figure in the American graphic novel uh, business. His company, MBM, as well as the other company, PaperCuts, uh, have been very key in. Uh, well, MBM is more for adult; it's for adults, and has been key, well, since the late '70s, actually, in publishing graphic novels. PaperCuts is a more recent version, and has published, it's focused on the YA uh, market and kids' market, and has been done phenomenally well. Uh, they're relaunching Asterix in the U.S. <clears throat> with new translations. Uh, the, it's licensed from Hachette in in France. Uh, so this is a big deal. And NPR has actually also written about this new series. And while um, the woman who wrote about it loves Asterix, the, one of the things that the, the, her piece focused on were what she called the noxious stereotypes that are used to depict Africans. So this is an issue. Uh, we did a story about it. <clears throat> Not that we have anything against, we do think Asterix is, is an extraordinary accomplishment. But these, to, but to release, uh, to relaunch the episode, the the, um, the series, which has probably about thirty-eight of the uh, French album style, which are like the forty-eight-page booklets, uh, without uh, any context to these images, uh, is is somewhat disturbing uh it's
2: especially disturbing because it's aimed at children.
0: This is a children's publisher. Asterix is marketed in the children's market in the US. Uh in, in I think in the Europe it, it's considered more all ages or something. Yeah. But here it's as a kids comic. It's hard for me to imagine any parent being comfortable uh with these images. Uh they're also putting them in omni-edition. So there's three of the French volumes to one. Uh, they've got about three books out in the market now. More are to come. We actually went to Ron Wimberly. Uh, for those who don't know, he's an Eisner-nominated artist, a Glyph Award winner, uh, really acclaimed artist who did a had a who not only does comics about race, diversity, uh, and diversity and social uh, and social justice, but he also uh, is a critic and a cultural critic and and launched. Lab, uh, the comics and kind of art criticism journal. And you know, look, Ron said, look, these are white supremacist imagery. Uh, we're not getting into whether, uh, the artists are racist or not racist. Their images are. And so we're, we're, we're at a crossroads here. Uh, I'd say go to publisherswiki.com slash comics and check out the story. We interviewed Terry Nantier. Um uh he responded with, you know, some unhappiness and I should say right now, I have the greatest respect for Terry. I think he's a groundbreaking publisher. Uh but I do think he's come to a point where he's got to um they've got to provide some context to what these images uh how we see these images today. Even Terry you know, admits yeah, that this is yeah. inappropriate for today. And, and Why? You might well why aren't there, why isn't there context provided? You can't publish these things the way they were published in 1959. I'm sorry, go ahead. Right.
2: Right. It's, it's much like the situation with the streaming of Gone with the Wind. You can stream it. Just put a note at the beginning putting it in context, right? Like no one's saying, like, destroy asterisks. But.
1: No, no one is saying that. Yeah.
2: But if you're going to be selling it on the market today, to, you know, American children of whom, guess what? Um, they're actually going to either be of color or have to deal with people of color on a daily basis. Like, do you really want to be feeding children these stereotypes with yeah, literally now I will, no context?
0: I will say a large part of the uh, the marketing for the book is to the collector's market. but But this is a children's publisher. So this is going into trade bookstores yeah. for children. Yeah, well,
1: you know what, can I just jump in here and just yeah, say, please. you know, the it, yeah. like, I mean, I think librarians are quite aware of this, and, mm. you know, look, one librarian or one bookseller cracks this book open and sees this, and, you know, they're not going to buy it. I mean, holy crap. That's, that's know, true, I agree. A hundred percent, and also, well, just one on, other thing, I heard, you know, like, Asterix has been released in the United States several times before, oh, yes. I believe Little Brown, which is the publisher of Tintin, formerly mm-hmm. did it, um, and, you know, it never gained traction here. And so this is the latest attempt, you know, now where America is a lot more, uh, amenable to French comics, Franco-Belgian comics. And so this is the latest attempt to get it here. And you know what? One of the reasons why it hasn't gained traction is because there are a lot of very racist images in it. Also, the humor is very, very French. I mean, honestly, like, and you know, <laughs> look, I have, I have enormous respect for Terry Anantier. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, I think this is kind of like the spirit is for us here in the United States, yeah, I think which you're right. also has incredibly or maybe Pogo? racist. Yeah, yeah, As incredibly racist imagery, unfortunately. And you know, Will Eisner, the creator of the spirit, uh, had some uh, the sidekick
0: Ebony, and who that's true. Was, a, Good point. was
1: written was written as a very humane character, but was drawn as the as horrible a, stereotype, terrible stereotype, horrible mm-hmm. African American black stereotype. And, uh, Eisner apologized for it and retired Ebony and brought in an Eskimo sidekick, which was another bad word that we're not supposed to say. <laughs> supposed to so,
0: there you, um, go.
1: you know, out of the frying pan into the igloo. It- and so, but, but, but just, you know, look, I think Terry grew up with this. Yes. And if you grew up with it, you're like, I'm okay. I'm not a racist. And you know, that may be, I mean, look, I grew up on a steady diet. Of colonialist literature sure. from, you know, from my beloved Karl Barks through everything else I read. Okay. And with white supremacists break in, And, you know, now it's we're a little bit better. We could look back. We say, do not destroy the spirit. Do not destroy gone yeah. within. Do not destroy Asterix. Just give it some damn but context.
0: And I will say this. They put a very short, a two sentence, uh, this kind of disclaimer in the book. It's inadequate. Uh, they say Asterix was born in 1959 in France. This omnibus respects the artwork as originally created per the wishes of the author and their publisher. Period. That's not enough. They need to have a short essay of some kind that talks about race and representation and what they did and what, what and and how these images connect to a history of white supremacist industry uh, uh, imagery in Western culture. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. and I mean, you know, France has its own huge history with Algeria and with their uh, colonies in Africa. I mean, there is a huge cultural subtext. And, you know, look, I'm going to say right here, that's pretty much all I know about it. But I know it exists. And, you know, maybe that's what I need to learn from reading Asterix is what is the French culture as it deals with? Uh, you know, its own history of well,
0: white supremacy. Well, we know racist imagery uh, about black people is pervasive in French comics culture. It really is.
1: Absolutely. Uh, that, that, you know, that,
0: we're hoping that the publisher uh, rethink some of the things they're doing. I think that this is a very thing, easy way to address It's not going to be easy, but I think there's a way to address it. And I think they have to get real. They're publishers. Providing context is what you're supposed to do. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. you know, and, you know
0: Oh, go on,
1: Kate. I'm
2: sorry. What I was going to say is – and it's not just when their characters say, visit Africa, that that you have to deal with this. No, it's because the way the creators decided to handle Roman slavery is to make the Roman slaves all black, which, no, that's not how Roman slavery worked. But it does give them an excuse to have lots and lots of black stereotypes uh, stepping and fetching around the Romans. It's, uh, it's just not the best. It's, so no, the
0: best. It's, it's not the best. So, you know, no. uh, if you really want to save Asterix, uh, you know, let's put some context around it.
1: Yeah, and, and again, look, you know, the three of us are gigantic comics fans. Uh, you know, Calvin and I are comics historians, and we absolutely respect the place and value of Asterix in the work of sure. Yerzo and Gossini, who were French, French cartoonists, by the way. I looked that up just to, excuse me. Uh And you know what? Uh, other people who aren't fans and knowledgeable, like Calvin and I are, I'm going to open this up, and they are going to be appalled yep. and sickened by this. So, yeah. you know, look, don't, don't. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this, let's, uh, let's get real. You know, yeah, let's get real,
0: you guys. Although, <laughs> so uh, let me happened. tell you, they keep saying oh, we can't change it. They have changed these images. They have done some little subtle changes. But... They've kind of removed, you know, these characters, these characters had gigantic red lips too. They, they kind of muted that, but they're still awful. I'm, yeah. You know, they, yeah. they subtle, they, but that's the other thing. They've got a guilty conscience because they've already changed them a little bit. If you look at what's yeah, in the book and you come look on, on the internet. People. So they're, they're kind of fudging here because they've already changed it, even though they say they don't want to change it. But then you know what? Nobody's, even Ron said it in the story, I don't think they should change it. I just think you should not encounter these images without context.
2: Well, I agree, but I just meant like if someone were to choose to make a second edition, say, for small children that did not contain those elements and also have the original available,
1: eh, I could live with them. You know what? These books shouldn't be given to kids. No, I'm just not go out and say that. They shouldn't be given to kids as is. And you know what? It's rather I'd rather there's plenty of other things out there that don't have grotesque racial stereotypes. It's great for kids. And you know what? These books are wonderful in their own way, but, but not for kids. They're freaking not for kids. Not so, so the greatest. fact that
0: a children's publisher is releasing them really creates yeah. a problem. Yeah, so.
2: and you know what? I'll say this. I'll so. say this. Why is um, it coming out from NBM? Yeah, and you know, well, well, because that's,
0: like, Astrid is not marketed as an adult comic. And, and, Go on. You, and you
1: know what? If they think maybe it should be block, I'm sorry. You know, Tintin. Okay, and the first couple volumes of Tintin, Tintin in the Congo is well, uh, is <laughs> just has the same kind of horrible racist imagery. It's, and you yeah. know what? That book is available, but it is presented in a uh, uh, you know wrapped in Saran wrap. It's it's, it's pretty hard like, to find. It's it's right, <laughs> but it's also like if you really want to read this, it's horribly racist. But here it is, you know, Um and. Uh, You know, the rest of Tintin has its own issues, like, you know, there's no women in this yeah. universe, all uh, her, you know, or her- whatever. But uh anyway, look, kids love Tintin. Yeah. it's been, and it's a classic worldwide, it's been in print in the United States for 50 years or more. It's you Yeah, know, Tintin's Tintin. done
0: better, actually, yeah. than, than yeah, Asterix.
1: Tintin's done very well. And I'll just tell you, look, I, I, I mean, I know people like, oh, we could only, now it's time for Asterix. I'm telling you, this humor... There's some French humor that's not going to translate, and you're never going to have some well, people are going a, to be like.
0: There's a yeah. new translation that has been praised. I, I've started reading right. them, but but what she says is true. So.
1: Yeah, listen. I'm going to go. I have the first. I got the first omnibus sitting here in, in this uh, in uh, yeah. my hoarder hole. So you know what? I'll read it. I'm going to
0: jump it, so. back into it too. Yeah. So anyway. okay. All right.
1: All right. So, yeah. All
0: right. So that that's it. I'm done with asterisks. Yeah. More to come. I think we're done
1: with it. I think we're done with the episode. I don't have the timer. Yeah, I think we've yeah, we've gone over. Yeah, we're way over because I didn't I didn't have my timer on. Anyway, look. Uh so uh you know, subscribe, subscribe to our podcast, um, you know, listen, leave us a note, leave us a comment, uh we'd love to hear that. Uh we'll be back every week. We'll
2: be back.
0: Because there's always going to be more to
2: come.